0: All right, so you can get out your kingdom vision and practices goals if you have them or if Jose gave you a new one. we're going to be on the back side in the out section as we are in our third and final week of the feasting and fasting where there are corresponding scriptures every day of the week, actually Monday through Saturday, that correspond with kingdom vision goals and practices, where the idea is that we're reading the scriptures, we're soaking, and then we're taking those scriptures into questions, pointed questions, where we're seeking God for his fresh vision for our life, and then the accompanying Practices to walk it out. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is at hand, so repent and believe. That's find God's vision, not your own, because repent means change your thinking or turn around. So get God's vision. Believe is an action word. The Greek is put it, you trust something so much, you put it into practice. So the kingdom of God breaking into your life is incredibly simple. God's vision that you put to practice over and over, over and over. And that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. The one who hears these words of mine, the vision, and puts them into practice is the one who builds their life on the rock. Vision and practices forever. And there's always more. Because there's always more of that fresh vision, the, the, the deeper, the depth of How God is wanting to reveal himself to us, transform us, greater purity, greater holiness, greater clarity, and our opportunity to put it into practice. So we get fired up around here. That is the life of of a disciple. It's a lifelong learner, an apprentice of Jesus. None of us say, oh, we've arrived, or that's certainly not the goal. I'm just kind of coasting now because I've walked with God for 40 years. Well, you're not Jesus yet, so Keep going. <laughs> we joke, but no, we're totally serious. For the rest of life, there should be this fire, this hunger. There's so much more that I want to learn. And by learn means experience, grow, be transformed, encounter God, and become like Christ. That's like, that is the biblical vision in a nutshell of your life, my life, our life together. And we're hungry around here to say, Thank God for what He's done, but I'm almost even hungrier to say, but there's more, and I know it. Yes. So that's what we're going after, and this week here, we're looking at that outward focus of mission. Now, let me just say real quick, my my wife sends her love. She has got this zombie bug that's going through our house. It keeps like resurrecting from the dead we thought we had it conquered and then it comes back all five of us had it and the back and forth thing so we wrote this message together our hearts are united in this she'll be here saturday and sunday we declare by faith the zombie will die um but but no this is a a passion we we share together and plan together as as part of as we look out into this year and Seek fresh vision. What we're talking about this week, and so today's message is really the the primer of the verses that we are then going to meditate on, explore, pray about, listen to God about this coming week, and the coinciding questions that go with it. But I want to share a verse to start that is not in here. This is bonus round, so to speak. Um, As we talk about being out on mission with God, which is our focus this week, Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is one of the most fantastic verses in the Bible. Let's read it and reflect in a way that maybe we don't normally as much. At the end of Jesus' ministry, this is the resurrected, living Christ, the resurrected King. Jesus gathered his disciples together together. By the way, there's the vision and practices. <laughs> Teaching them, that's not just information in the rabbinical sense. You teach someone how to do something by being an imitatable example. That's different than the Western mindset, which is just give me the information that I can read in a book. In the biblical model, you are the book. If you're teaching someone something, you are the book. That's why Paul has the audacity to say, many times, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what teaching means in the biblical sense. So when Jesus says, go teach them, it's not hand them information, it's be the book. That's the vision. So you're 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 giving people the vision of what kingdom life's all about and teaching them to observe. There's the practices. If they have the information but don't put it into practice, what's the point? So there's again vision practices all over the place. But what I want to highlight this morning that doesn't get enough attention is that this is a interesting, well-meaning but wrong translation. When it says, go therefore, that sounds like an imperative, a command. It is not. (laughs) The literal translation simply means, as you are going. So it's this present ongoing, as you are going, as you are going. And then there is a command, there is an imperative make disciples. So I love this because it shows the reality that being the representative of Jesus on mission is meant to be everyday life. As you're going about life, represent Jesus. As you're just doing the things that you have to do and are called to do, the dailies, the nitty-gritty, you have purpose of mission all the time. Make disciples. Be the book. Be the imitatable example of what it looks like to follow Jesus everywhere you go. You don't turn mission on and off in that sense. And I love that because there's freedom in it in the sense of God has given you spheres of influence that are unique to you, that no one else in this room has. You have networks of people and relationships and and partners and job friends and neighborhood friends and work friends and recreation friends that no one in this room even knows. So who's... Mission is it. How do we join in God's mission of making disciples? It's see yourself joining in with God's mission in everyday life. That we are all called to be missionaries in the spheres of influence that God has given us. As we're going about life, make disciples. Be about the Father's business. And so it just begs a great a great a great was like Elmer Fudd here? Um, <clears throat> a great question. Are we, are you this year, being intentional to make disciples as you go about life? Are you being intentional to represent the king, to be the, the imitatable book? so to speak, that demonstrates the life, the resurrection, the hope, the power, the salvation of Jesus. Are we about our Father's business in that way? Now, that can feel overwhelming. You're like, man, I'm already stressed. I already got so much to do. I already got the job and the kids and the X, Y, and Z. And yes, we all do. And so that's where it does... This is, Jesus gives us the big picture vision of being on mission with him, but then there's some things in his word that help us narrow that focus into specific ways that his spirit is leading us to be on mission. It's not an overwhelming mission. It's not an overwhelming, oh, look out at the world and every single person around you, you have to disciple, and if you don't disciple everyone you see and know, then you failed. Nope. That's not in the word. We're gonna look at some specific things. But the heart that says, wow, what a privilege you have called me to, Jesus. To be about the Father's business of introducing people to Jesus, of representing Jesus, of making disciples as I just go about my life in the spheres of influence you've given me. To me, this is just that Be in awe of the privilege that you are called to be a missionary. If you know Jesus and he's transformed your life, you're a missionary. You do not need to be perfect. That's why I love Paul's example of just saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Meaning, he's just saying, in a sense, he's saying, I'm an imperfect vessel. I'm not Jesus. I don't have it all together. But I'm giving everything to Jesus, I'm doing my best to follow him, so any Jesus you see in me, that's what I'm trying to pass on. So you're not disqualified from mission because you don't yet perfectly represent Jesus. Who then is worthy? (laughs) No one. (laughs) So, it's as I follow Jesus, as I'm struggling along, doing the best I can, grabbing onto forgiveness, redemption, and transformation, and, and little, little sparks of Jesus come out of me, little glimmers of light come out of me. Know that that's, that's not me on my own strength. That's the redeemed me. That's the Jesus in me. That's Jesus transforming me. And it's, it's good news, huh? Because I'm not who I used to be. So, we're all qualified to humbly represent authentically the Jesus that we've encountered, what we know of Jesus so far, how we've been transformed so far. Share that authentic story with people. And a lot of times people are like, oh, you hypocrites or, or Christians, like the only problem comes if we pretend to be something we're not. If we can just say, hey, I don't have it all together but I know one who does. And he's the one I follow. He's the one helping me. He's the one forgiving me. He's the one transforming me. That can take many of those guards down for them and for us to try to feel like, oh, I'm on on, on mission. Better pretend I got it all together. No. You're on mission. Share your genuine story. So if you're having a hard time, be real with that. If you're struggling, be real with that. But share the genuine faith that points up to the one who does have it all together. The one who will meet you in this hard time. The one who forgives you for the struggles. Because he went to the cross and he's perfect. So genuine story. Genuine mission. But let's narrow it down here in just to a few of these key questions that we're seeking God for. Vision this year. There's lots of verses in each, but I just want to highlight one. In this first question, so it's seven if you're following along, there's a verse that this question comes from, 2 Timothy 1.6. Paul says to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So Paul is talking about a specific spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. And there is a very, very interesting picture painted. It says, Paul's saying, hey, I'm reminding you, you have this spiritual gift. Which is interesting. So did Timothy forget? I'm reminding you, fan into flame the gift of God. And the picture there, and and my wife gave a message on this a number of months ago, so beautiful, so powerful. The picture is of a bonfire. And where it says, fan into flame the gift of God, The picture there is kindling. That's why some translations say rekindle the gift of God. It's a picture of putting more wood on the existing fire. Kindling wood. Rekindle. And what is so interesting is that Paul says to Timothy, that's your job. God brought the fire you bring the wood you wouldn't have it if the Holy Spirit didn't put the fire so it's a gift of God you recognize that but it's not going to be a flame if you don't put the wood and that makes perfect sense if you think about practical life you may have a gift A spiritual gift. I think this goes very well with natural gifts as well. He is talking about spiritual gifts, but test it out. I think it works perfectly for both. You have gifts. They will not be burning flames if you don't put them into practice. If you don't work on them. If you don't kindle them if you don't stoke them, if you don't pay attention to them and put time and effort and energy into tending that fire. And to me, this is one of the beautiful descriptions in God's word, which are all over the place, which your relationship with God is real, meaning you always have a part, meaning it's never a good idea to just go to bed Wake up and, and believe, oh man, I'm going to be so much closer to God today uh, by magic. How does that work in your human relationships? I'm not going to put time, effort, and energy in. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to do hard work. I'm not going to work on my communication skills, whatever it may be. But I'm just going to be amazingly closer to my spouse tomorrow. Never works. Never works. At least not for me. When I put in the hard work of God, how can I honor my wife? How can I fan into flame the love you've given us? And I do believe it's from you, but man, I've got to steward it. If I don't steward it, that flame might go out. That's what I mean, that's an amazing picture that God is saying about your spiritual gifts if we don't steward them, there might be little to no flame left. God put the flame. But he's saying, are we rekindling? What are we doing to fan that flame into this beautiful bonfire? And it's like, that's attractive to me. It's like, I, I, I want to be able to look back on my life and be able to see bonfires of like, whoa! And we're gonna give God the glory. It wouldn't exist if the fire of God didn't fall in grace, gifts, his presence. But this picture is saying, or you might get to the end of the life, and there's just be be these little tiny embers. God's like, Did you kindle the fire I gave you? So that is worthy of getting excited about, God, how can I fan into flame what you've given me? And you can see it, I can see it. It's in your own life, in my life. Just look at your gifts and passions. To the degree you have put in the effort, that's the log on the fire, the yes, Lord, the attention, the time, the effort to partner with God, that is the degree to which you've got a fire to share. And so I encourage you, find those gifts, find those passions, and stoke that fire. Add the wood. Put in the time, effort, and energy. And let's let's be careful. It's not about platform. It's not about numbers of people. It's about growing in the effectiveness and precision of the gift he's given you the results are up to god so like for me it would be the wrong idea to say oh i'm going to fan into flame the gift of god so that means my goal this year is to double the amount of people i get to preach to that's a stupid goal based on pride the goal is God. Help me with your spirit leading me after every week. Help me hear your voice. How did I partner with you well? Effectively delivering that beautiful synergy that is Wow by grace that I get to read the word, think about it, Try to be creative with it. Try to be precise and concise and effective, and then your spirit's adjusting along the way. It's it's, what a weird harmony, symphony and synergy. Who is it? Is it me or is it God? And it's so interesting. I use the word synergy. Don't freak out. It's not new age. It's in the Bible. Paul said, when I'm a co-laborer, that's a dumb translation. The word is synergos, synergy with God. Yeah, good, in sync. So it's like, who is it? Is it you and God? And the best answer is God says yes. Yeah. Amen. That in sync, that synergy with God where it's, it's ultimately his fire making it possible, but it's your gifts and passions and you're stewarding it so well, it's a divine synergy. And so for me, in the various areas I'm working on, it's I want more of that divine synergy. The results are up to you. Forget human standards. It's God's standards. At at the end of the day, that's all it is. We're going to see that a little bit later. It's all about are you faithful to the assignment he's given you? That's all that matters at the end of the day. There's this amazing passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 4 to 5, where Paul talks about being faithful to the assignment God's given him, and he challenges himself saying, I want to build with gold and silver, not hay and straw. He says, because I know at the end of the day, there's a judgment coming, and that fire is going to burn. Burn up all that wasn't pure. And I hope to have some things left because I built with gold and silver in my life. It's so good because he's just like, all of the human standards don't matter. The appeal to man, the try to uh, uh, you know, appease man, to do it for other people's glory, other people's standards. He's like, it's, that's, if you're doing it for that man, that's straw. It's all going to burn, and you might get to the end of your life and be like, look at all these things I did for you, God. And he's like, here's the fire of my spirit testing it. And he was like, oh, I have nothing left. Paul says that. He's like, "I'm, I'm scared, or I'm aware of that possibility. So he's like, so I don't serve man. I serve God. And so that's like a good encouragement. It's not about what it looks like on the outside to other people. It's about are you being faithful to say, God help me as a steward of your grace, fan into flame those gifts you've given me and I'll leave the result up to you. Next one, I already got too excited and (laughs) stole my own thunder. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, 4, and 5. Kind of summarized the chapter, but there's a great word in there. We'll just read a couple of the verses. 4 and 6. They're 4 through 6. When one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Meaning like seeing, this is kind of exactly what we're talking about. Seeing people... Not with God's eyes, but human eyes. It's human perception. So here's what's happening. A fight is going on in the Corinthian church over their favorite pastor. And it's causing division in the church. Like, oh, I like it when Paul's here and he speaks. Oh, I like Apollos. He's a little better of a speaker. He's more engaging to me. Now <laughs> ah, you laugh. Mm. <laughs> I've heard the feedback. Paul's like, yeah, you're seeing with human eyes right now. What is Apollos? What is Paul? Nothing but servants through whom you believed as the Lord, here we go, assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. The results are up to God. That word assigned is a fun one. Paul's saying, talking about himself now and saying, I mean, it's kind of to the church, to himself, but he's saying, church, hey, let's not, let's not fight over your favorite pastor here. We're all on the same team. It's about God giving the growth. We have different roles. We have different assignments from God. I planted Apollo's watered. God gives the growth. What are we after? Growth. Yeah. So who cares? You know, don't pick your favorites. The body of Christ ministers to one another and all the different roles are important. Don't pick one leader. But Paul's saying to, about himself, I love that phrase, we are just servants as the Lord assigned to each of us. In other words, God gave Paul and Apollos, different but equally important in God's eyes, assignments. And I love that word. It literally means, here we go, Greek, watch out, assignment. (laughs) It does have a sense of like a a master, a boss, a parent, a, a, a superior giving a task, giving an assignment. And I love that idea because... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul's not special in the sense that he gets assignments and you and I don't. It's just the Holy Spirit wanting to speak and give clarity of purpose for specific seasons about what God's calling us to do. Yep. And that's a great thing to specify as we're looking to, let's say, 2024. Some of you may already feel like I have several clear assignments from God. When you have that sense, it's beautiful because that's where, getting back to the big picture of mission, we do have permission to not be the savior of the whole world. Job taken. We get to hear for our assignments. And that's a beautiful thing that can help focus our passion our effort, our energy for a season. That's why we want to listen. God, what, what is your assignment? Or, And there can be multiple. There can be varied. There can be big ones and little ones. There can be a weekly assignment, a monthly assignment. Maybe it's an indefinite assignment. Maybe it's a year long. Maybe it's a season. But undergirding all of this is just the good news of what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice. I know them by name and I lead them out. Out. Out into pasture. Out onto mission. I lead them. So we're not just kind of like blind sheep going around. Well, I just have to save the world. Or whatever. That was the worst sheep impression I've ever heard. I did not practice that and I know you believe me. That just came out. That was terrible. Somebody stop the live stream. We're. We're hurting people right now. (laughs) Oh, see what happens when my wife's not here. It's like, I go off the rails. We don't have to be crazy sheep. We can be, as we learn to listen, confident of assignments as he leads us. And it just gives so much freedom. Clarity, purpose. You wake up in the morning, you're like, oh yeah, what am I supposed to do? Oh, you know what? I've got my goals. Spoken from God. I do not lack purpose. Ever. Why? Because God is so good, he speaks to his children. Goals, vision, and practices. And specifically, assignments towards serving others. One example, one example. So last year, So, you know, it's like, wow, life is busy, you know, between church, full time for me, part time for my wife, a second job that I have in addition to church, plus three kids and we have them going to school in Temecula. And so it's like two or three trips a day at times, especially last year before my middle son was driving and blah, 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 all the stuff of life. So it's like, man, we just feel like our plate is absolutely full right? There is like little to no wiggle room. It's, it's full, but it's full in the good kind of way. Very tight to like, not just add things to do. We don't need more things to do. Don't ask me to do anything. Like we don't need more things to fill the plate. It's got to be real precise. God, what are you calling us to in this season to say no to and to say yes to? So anyways, my son, who's a sophomore in high school at the time, had this desire to put up 500 shots of basketball a day. Because he had a goal of becoming a great shooter so that he could contribute that value to his team and hopefully it would help on the road of achieving a goal of maybe someday being able to play in college. So we got way out there goals down to the specific practices of I got to shoot 500 shots a day because that's what all the pro basketballs are playing, at least 500 shots a day. It's like, Dude, that's a ton of shots. I don't know if I've shot 500 basketballs in my life. Like, like, and that's probably why I'm a terrible shooter. But it's like, so as we talked about this, it's like, how do, we, how do we make that happen? And it was like, the only way that that was even remotely possible with our work schedules and kids and carpooling and evening work and all that was like, if I picked him up from school and took him straight to the gym, and so that was going to be like a two-hour chunk of the day for like a six-month period. It's like, oh my goodness, I do not have time for that. It's like, and then the Spirit's like, <laughs> who's your first ministry? Your wife, your kids? Ooh, okay, this is good. This is good. Give my best. It's like, but that's going to be a sacrifice because I just I can't just take two hours off a day. So that's going to mean we take him, pick them up school, go to the gym, come home. So that's from like three to five. That means I got to most times go back to work and like work five to seven. That sounds terrible. Who's your first ministry? And it just became like, you know what? this is a privilege. It's going to take adjusting. It's going to take moving. It's going to take sacrifice. My brain doesn't even work at 6 p.m. I'm going to have to stop basketball, come home, and now do more work. Who's your first ministry? The Lord was saying that to me last year in that way. And so I did it. And it became the six-month window and it is reaping unbelievable benefits now a year later, in for that season as a 16-year-old boy who typically, developmentally, that's the time in life where they're like, I don't want anything to do with my parents. I need to find my own identity. And even, like, developmentally, that is what is happening. And so there's some grace for psychotic teenagers, right? So, you know, just remember that. It's mostly not their fault. Their their chemicals are going cycle. But... to be able to be in that space for him where, and we had talks up front, we had we had real talks, like, hey, if, if, if I'm going to do this, you need to be coachable. You need to allow me to challenge you. You need to allow me to say, hey, I need more effort here, or stop dogging it today, or when you come to me and say, I don't feel like it today, and my job's going to be, it doesn't matter if you feel like it, it's time to work, you know, and this kind of like high-level coaching accountability, which as dad and son at 16 that's 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 a that's a you're in a minefield but god was saying do it and we had honest very honest talks in the in beforehand and then throughout it when he was mad at me when i held him accountable but I, all that to say fast forward a year i wouldn't trade it for anything the level and lines of open honest communication that that created with a teenage son is gold 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 i couldn't i I couldn't i don't have enough money to buy it like there was a gold even when the assignment's done and what was so fun it was like in some ways it was like god saying this is not even about basketball This is about your son and his character growth and maturity. This is about your relationship with him and doing the hard work of establishing that open, honest communication, the challenge and the invitation, the support that he needs, learning to speak his love language even better, but be able to bring challenge. This is about the kingdom coming in your family in greater measure. It's like, oh. And that's what God wants to do when he gives us assignments. Oftentimes, the assignment, as we look back, was as much about what God wanted to do in us as it was what God wanted to do through us. And that's where we give ourselves in trust to the assignment and then don't control the outcome. The results are up to God. So it's not about like, oh, well, it's a failure if you don't get 500 shots every day and shoot 45% for three-point line and get a college scholarship. No, that would be a failure on my part to see what God is doing. We can work towards goals, but we leave the results up to God. And so all I'm saying in, in, in that is there is a freedom, there is a beauty, there is a power, there is a motivation in taking the time to do this work of listening what are the assignments you're giving me parents grandparents i mean grandparents that's a beautiful one what's the assignment it may be a weekly monthly by you know yearly maybe indefinite but ways to be engaged in your kids' and grandkids' life that you know is an assignment from the Lord, even when it's a sacrifice. But there is purpose that that fills us with, right? Towards like, even when it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this today, when you have the purpose of God calling you to something and you can trust that he is going to bear good fruit in you and through you, that purpose motivates you to make the proper sacrifice. And so I, I, it's one of my favorite things in life to listen for these assignments from God. And lastly, as we look into one more aspect, make this part quick here, It's more to me of that freedom as we're on mission, but it gets real specific because we're not the savior of the world, only Jesus is, so he's gonna call us, use our gifts and passions, follow your assignments, and know who God's calling you to invest in. And I do believe, not that there aren't times of where you're just out and open and willing, you see someone in the grocery store and you're, you see them struggling and you're willing to pay for their groceries. Or you come across someone and you have a divine appointment and you pray on the spot for them. Or you share with Jesus about someone and the opportunity of salvation. Or you know that someone needs physical healing and you reach out and you take that risk. All of those are great. Those are kind of like the in the moment divine appointments. Those are assignments that are very brief, right? It's like God's saying, hey, give me five minutes right now. That's awesome. Those are assignments to look for too. But in the more long term things with people, because of the rea- reality of our own limitations, I believe God wants to show us with wisdom a couple people to really invest in deeply. Where do we get that? Luke 10, 1 to 12 is a great passage. Matthew 10, 1 to 15 is also. The parallel, it's a mission strategy that we call the person of peace, where God doesn't call us to just minister to everyone all the time. When Jesus sent out the 12 and then he sent out the 72, he gave some real specific instructions. And I believe, we believe, that it has wisdom for our lives where he calls us when we share who we are, when we speak blessing, we look for who are the people of peace. And what do we mean by that? Let's read Matthew 10, 12 to 14. As you enter the house, greet it. That's a really short summary, and Luke has more of it, where it's like you give them your blessing, you share your message. Now, the the greeting in, in the, at the time would be the shalom, but it's a much more than that. Jesus told, go out and preach the kingdom of God. So the greeting, the, the shalom blessing would be a sharing of the message of the kingdom of God through Jesus. And then it says, if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. Luke says, if there's a person of peace there, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, Luke says, but if it's not a person of peace, let your peace return to you. So what, what is this person of peace, this person of, of, of worthiness in this context? Jesus is saying, here it is. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words shake the dust off from your feet and move on to the next town. That's good news. (laughs) If they don't want to receive you or listen to you, if they don't like what you have to offer, Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet and move on. There's so much healthy teaching in that, healthy freedom. You are not going to beat the word of God into anyone. So we don't have to try. As we share the message, Jesus says, we speak our blessing. Here's the good news of what God did in my life. If they don't receive you or listen to your message, Jesus says, move on. Now, you don't have to listen to him, but just see how it goes. We've all done it, right? Because we care, typically. If the soil of the heart is not ready, the soil of the heart is not ready, and you're not the Holy Spirit... You've spoken your blessing, you've spoken your good news, and if the soil of the heart is not ready, you are not going to make it ready. That's the Spirit's job. Now, again, make sure we hear. You've already spoken your blessing. So I'm not saying like you don't share the good news and the truth. That's speak your blessing. But what Jesus says is, if they're not interested, don't keep doing it over and over and over and over. It doesn't go well for anybody. He says, if they receive you and they listen, stay there. If they don't, move on. Now, this does not mean you give up on them permanently. I would say that's where it comes to listen to the Holy Spirit, to circle back around at the right time. Maybe it's a week later, a month later, a year later. I don't know. That's between you and God, circle back around, speak your blessing again. But the freedom in this is when someone doesn't want to receive you and they don't have to listen, you don't have to keep forcing it, beating them, punching them, believing that if you just do it better and harder and clearer, no. Jesus says, if they don't receive you or listen, move on. Why? Because... What does he say in the precursor to this? The harvest is plentiful, but the worker are few. The harvest is plentiful. So there are those whose hearts are ready. So be part of the harvest. Go find the people who like you. They want to hear more. They receive you, and they want to listen. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. So partner with the Spirit in finding the people That's the soil of their hearts is ready. They receive you, they listen to you so they can, it's great harvest. It's like, which one do you want to be a part of? (laughs) The great harvest or you're just mad at everybody and they're mad at you and you're discord in relationships. Give it time, come back. But right now, go find the harvest. Go find those who are receiving you and listening to the blessings that you're offering. And Jesus says, and stay there. And so that's where there's that freedom. So it's, okay, God, in the landscape of my life right now is I want to see a harvest. Who are the people you're giving me right now that are those people of peace in my life? They receive me. They listen and like what I have to share about Jesus. Stay there, God says. Plant there. It might be years. It might just be a little bit at a time. This is, again, it's a life led by the Spirit, so it's okay, what does this person need right now? One of my favorite long-term people of peace relationships is this just beautiful, amazing young man that's from across the world and we are opposites in every possible way you could imagine. Ethnicity and race, religion. He's from the Middle East. He has a background that is unbelievably different than me. His cultural experience growing up, political, religious, and it's like, We met on the basketball court, and God showed me a person of peace from the very beginning. There was just this warmth and drawing, and so it's like, all right, I can feel he wants to receive things that I'm sharing, and I'm there with one of my sons, and it turns into a little bit of mission where we just represent Jesus in a way that builds relationship. There's there's an attraction there, and I'm hiding that I'm a pastor. (laughs) not because I'm embarrassed, but because I don't want those walls to go up immediately. And so we build trust, we build relationship, and it ends up, one time we had two hours jacuzzi in the pool, and I start, he knows by this time between the interaction with my son and I that that there's a, a belief in God and a belief in Jesus, and those things happened over months and months, And so, in this jacuzzi, he starts asking, how do you know that God is real? Come on, baby! Now we're talking! And so, I mean, I can talk. So, I spent, we spent two hours of me sharing stories, my personal testimonies of why I believe God is real. I mean, there it is. That's like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, it's me just... This is my conviction of why I believe Jesus is real. Here's my personal experience. I don't have it all together, but I have encountered Jesus. Here's my stories. And he was, talk about receiving and listening. He just, he was eating it up to the point we did the jacuzzi thing a month later. He's like, oh yeah, I went to my friend in LA and I told her all about you. I said, yeah, there's this, there's this guy that, that yeah, talks these stories like he knows God. And, and, and I was so excited to tell her all these stories that you told me. And it was just like, what? It's just this amazing. And then fast forward years, he decides to go back to his home country. And we've had many conversations, many basketball, you know, <laughs> fun times of connecting. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is time to step it up. Hey, as you're going on this trip, can I pray for you? Can I pray for your goal on this trip and all this stuff? And we're right here in Powerhouse Gym. He's like, yeah. So it's like, all right, boom. So this guy, oh man, it's just so different. The world says, you should not be friends with this guy. We're, we're, we're doing the man hug in Powerhouse. And I'm just praying, just a normal prayer, you know, just of God's heart of blessing for him and his future and his safety and the prosperity of his life. And afterwards, he's got this little tear. He's like... I felt that, thank you. And so he leaves and he goes back to the Middle East and then like six months later, I see him again and it's like these old, you know, it's like, what? It's like that uncontrollable emotion, big old embrace and the first thing this guy says is, hey man, thank you for praying for me. I remember that prayer. Everything you prayed happened on my trip and it's just like so fun. Wow, and he—he's not yet a Christian, but he—I don't know. I, I shouldn't. Maybe he—maybe he is actually. Like I'm—he hasn't walked through that prayer with me, but man, does he love stories about Jesus. Man, is he open to receiving and listening and praying now? These are many, many important steps along the way, and it's just like—it's like God. That's what I want in my life. Now, I'm not scared to be, or I am scared. I don't like being rejected. We all will be rejected and persecuted at times. But what did Jesus say? So when you give your blessing and people reject you and persecute you and you don't want it, the good news is you don't have to stay there. You get to look for people like I'm describing, that person of peace, where maybe it's a 10-year journey, but you get around them and it's like, I feel the presence of God in his presence because he's open to the presence, and that increases my experience of God's presence. So it's like I want to be around him for this mission, and it's just a joy and privilege to just share who I am, what God's done, what God's all about, and, and hear him receive that and listen and want more. And those are people of peace, and I believe God is inviting all of us. Jesus commands us, that's how I want you to do mission. So there you go. If you have people on your heart, Jesus is saying, I believe, that's how I want you to do mission. More longer term relational mission. Look for those people of peace who like you. (laughs) It's like, that's a good way to do it. And the message, they like the message, that's the main thing. <laughs> but they like the message of God through you. All right, so that's, that's a little, hopefully some kind of catalyzing of, of encouragement for that's what we're going after for this week. So I highlight a few of the verses there, encourage you now to go back through those verses this week and be listening to the Holy Spirit for what he wants to say specifically to you about the goals and the visions, the assignments he's given you and how you can put them into practice to see more of the kingdom breakthrough in your life as you're out on mission with Jesus. As you go, we learn to make disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the unbelievable privilege that you call us out on mission with you. As John the Baptist said, even the rocks could cry out. So we have no pretense, God, that you need us. You don't need us, but you have chosen us to be your ambassadors, your representatives. You have given each of us gifts, natural gifts, Holy Spirit gifts, and you want to give us assignments, and you want to bring people of peace into our orbit, all of which is an absolute privilege, God, to steward, to grow in, to say yes to you. I'm reminded of that verse, Jesus, where Jesus, you spoke, and as you did all of these things, you could say in that that one episode of The Woman at the Well in John 4, She was a person of peace. You saw the assignment there. You were operating in your gifts of the Spirit. And then you said, my food is to do the Father's will. Thank you, Lord, that there is life-giving food when we step out on mission with you. Big or small, when we say yes to represent you, There is food for our soul. It nourishes us. It brings us more alive. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be leading us, speaking to us, bringing clarity on how you are wanting to have a feast with us this year, how you are wanting to feed our souls to come more fully alive by being out on mission in the very precise ways that are on your heart on your heart and ultimately in all, may it be for your glory, may the harvest of your kingdom be plentiful in Jesus name Amen